Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, yo. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> What's up? CHO White Sox podcast live from Nashville, the Gaylord Opryland Hotel. I'm Kevin Kaduck, filling in for Sean Anderson. I'm the head of content here on this network. To my left is CHO White Sox community leader, Herb Lawrence. Hello. And to my right is CHO White Sox beat reporter, Vinny Dewar. Fellas, how are we doing today? I think we're like in hour 13 or 14 of our workday today. It's, it's It's been going. Yeah, it's a whirlwind. This place is just chock full of front office types, media types of baseball. It's the World Series, in my opinion, of all these personalities. I love it here. It's great. I think Fantastic. It's, I think it's all a ruse to uh, up their coffee bills. I've spent $35 <laughs> at the Starbucks shop so far today. Yeah, the lines over there are very long. That is very true. Yeah, well, uh, welcome in. Uh, we have uh, set up here at, at the Opryland Hotel. CHGO is going hard. We had our CHGO podcast at 2 today. White Sox goes now. Cubs a little later, and we'll be here for the next three days through Wednesday, bringing you everything. Uh that there is to bring so far, not a lot to bring, but Chris gets talk today, Pedro Griffal talked today, and we're going to go through some of the things that they talked about and go from there. But Vinny, you are just down from the suite where, where Chris gets talked and we came in here today thinking what's going to happen with Dylan Cease. What did Chris have to say about that? Yeah, well, it's pretty slow going in general, as you man, uh, as you mentioned earlier. I think everybody's kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with Shohei Otani. Obviously, the White Sox not part of that sweepstakes, but uh, they are kind of part of one of the more buzzworthy teams here, just because of Dylan Cease and the fact that he's been reported to be of interest in a tra- in a potential trade by what six, seven different teams at this point. I think we've heard so. Um, Chris gets uh, as as kind of reflecting some of the reports we heard from some of the national guys not really expressing any urgency to move dylan cease not even saying that they really have to move dylan cease uh here this week at the winter meetings um talking about waiting for that white right opportunity to come to to make this white Sox roster better and obviously it needs to get a lot better now with the starting pitching market looking the way that it is obviously there's a couple big names starting free starting pitcher free agents out there Mm -hmm. but there is nobody out there the caliber of Dylan Cease that has two years of control like he does he figures to be one of the most sought after starting pitchers in baseball right now and I think you, you that is reflected in the in the list of teams some of them really really good ones you know like the, right. like the Dodgers the Braves have both been mentioned as being interested in him and, and, and some perennial winners who maybe are coming off a little bit of a downswing too like the like the Giants and Cardinals so um, there's a lot of teams out there let's think about the Baltimore Orioles obviously you have the top ranked farm system in baseball which I know White Sox fans are excited about but yeah Listen, I, I think you saw some reports that were kind of reflected in the way Chris talked about Dylan Cease today and saying, hey, Dylan Cease is one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's probably at the top of the market, but we have no urgency to move him. In fact, it was asked, are you guys close on anything? And he said, not really at all. Do you, do you think that, uh, you know, of course, what he said rings true because he doesn't have to it's no obligation for him to have to trade dylan season you know one of the best pitchers in the game shouldn't just be traded because of reasons but do you think this is uh you know he hasn't of course heard what from other teams the exact package that he finds uh amenable do you think this is just posturing and like negotiating through the media or do you actually think he's just like you know 
I don't want to trade Dylan Cease, and unless you come to me with the proper offer, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I think if Chris Getz got an offer that he thought was the one that made the White Sox better, that made that that accomplished so many of the goals that he is setting out for himself and trying to improve this team and and really make over this entire organization, he would have traded Dylan Cease already. Uh, but that hasn't happened yet, and so I don't think this is just you know sitting back and waiting and saying, "All right, will you bid higher? Will you bid higher?" I think this is him just saying. In, in his opinion, because we have seen that in the reports that, hey, maybe once Blake Snell signs, maybe once Yamamoto signs, mm-hmm. now we're talking about teams getting a little more desperate and the, those offers become more to the White Sox liking. That, that was going to be my question. Is there, do you have any sense personally, is there a chip that needs to move before the Dylan Cease market heats up? Whether um, that's Snell or Yamamoto or... Maybe. Uh, Yamamoto probably would be the one. I saw some you know, just a clip from MLB Network earlier that, that was posted on the internet in which you have uh, the hosts and the posts that we're talking on the on the channel saying, ooh, do I want Dylan Cease more than I want Blake Snell? Ooh, I don't know kind of thing. And if that's the case, yeah. you could say that after Yamamoto, maybe Dylan Cease is the, the next best starting pitcher on the market. And so maybe that is the one guy that needs to fall. Or maybe just the ball needs to get rolling. That right. could be the only thing, too. And we're, right now, we're in a holding pattern here because not a lot is going on. The only signing today, the Bucky Brewers and Joe Ross, unless something happened in like the last three or four minutes that I don't know about. But Joe Ross, a guy. Wade Miley. Wade, Wade Miley. Miley. Oh, 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 I'm Brewers. sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. The Brewers, uh, Brewers are making moves. Brewers are. Brewers can go home now. They're done. They're good. They, uh, they got their manager, which I heard uh, Pat Murphy speak earlier. But this is like at a standstill. I was thinking today would be like explosions. A lot of deals being done. And of course, the day is not done yet. I think the Shohei Itani and where he's going, where some people are saying that they don't believe that Shohei is going to be announcing where he's going before the winter meetings ends. So that'll put a, a you know long delay into other people's plans yeah. because they're seeing, okay, if that team gets Shohei Itani, that means they don't have the you know money for the player that we won, so we can go after him a little bit more aggressively. And I think that's also holding up the Dylan Cease markets, too, because, of course, Shoei Tani's a pitcher and a hitter. You know, he's not going to be pitching this year. So I'm just waiting for more action, even though this is exciting times to be here. I hope, like, right when we leave this hotel, we got to come right back because the White Sox have done some deals. Yeah, it's not ideal for us (laughs) because we've been here all day long, but, you know, I'm in for anything to improve the White Sox. And it makes sense what Pedro and Chris Getz said today. Unless they're floored, unless they're, you know, absolutely taken back by a deal for either Dylan Cease or uh, Luis Robert Jr., we're staying in Pat. There's no reason to move. It just seems like it's it's going to take some time. And on the CHGO show today, Vinny, I, I just kind of said, I didn't think we're going to leave here with Dylan Cease on another team. That, could that, be. that doesn't mean he's not going to be traded or what. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think it's going to take a while. I think you some of the framework may be laid here. I just think things need to develop because one, you can spend a lot of money and write a big check for Yamamoto or, or somebody else, or you have to decide, okay, I'm going to have to part with prospects that I maybe don't want to part with, but then I do get the cost certainty of, of Dylan Cease and not only the cost certainty you kind of also know what you're getting with him from a innings and, and strikeout standpoint as well yeah I mean I think there's a lot of upside to Dylan Cease that a lot of teams are probably very intrigued by but I think you're right uh, Chris Getz even said the, the phrase you know there's a pace to these things and I think maybe that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a better way to think about it and that you know you have to keep pace kind of right I mean it, it could be if nobody's doing anything else why would he fly off the market all of a sudden but Tomorrow, maybe Yamamoto gets signed. Maybe Blake Snell gets signed. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Now you've got, you know, a, a line of people at, at Chris Getz's door, at bang, door banging on it saying we want Dylan Cease. So yeah. um, any number of things could could still happen. Uh, this is we're on day one of three. Um, but uh, I, I'm not sure that that deal will happen this week. But all signs point to it happening at some point this offseason. So this, this is Chris Getz's first doing the sweet life this is his kingdom right now 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 i should say we weren't in the suite we were, okay. we, were we were in a uh, a nice vestibule off in a, a, hall, in a, in a hallway somewhere. So, you know i just want hey listen it's all about reporting the accurate yeah. details right so how is he doing like what uh, you know what else did he have to say and do you feel like this you know he's talking about a plan and 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I, I think it's very similar to the thing we've heard from Chris in, in past media sessions uh, today. A lot of generalities kind of about, hey, this is what the White Sox need to do to get better. And it's a lot of things. And this is what we want the White Sox to be. And that that's a lot. There's going to be a lot of work to get going before that is is accomplished. So, um, they, you know, you ask about the offseason to do list. It's long. And, and I don't think that it's all going to get done in a week. I would argue it might not be able to all get done in an off season. You know, this yeah, is absolutely not. This, right. Even even if we are talking about moves like Paul DeYoung, you know, which is clearly a one year move. Uh, you know, some of those guys that were acquired in the Aaron Bummer trade, those aren't foundational pieces, more than likely. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But he he is holding steadfast to what he said when he took the job at the end of August, which is there are no untouchables. Right. And, mm. and I mean, I think that even, that even includes a guy like Luis Robert jr. Who, you know, is probably not going to get traded. In fact, Chris gets had some pretty strong language suggests that he is not going to be traded, but this he, is a good quote. Yeah. I can quote it right here. He said, he said, Luis Robert is a very difficult player to move and expect that your club is going to get better because of it. That being said, there might be a club out there that is willing to offer something that you feel can help you immediately and in the long term. But we're talking about one of the best players in baseball, and we're very fortunate to have him with the Chicago White Sox. So I have a tough time seeing him wearing another uniform next year. And I and I think that's what we expected on that front, right? It, it right. was, listen, you know, people say, oh, my God, there's no untouchables. Oh, my God, there is a non-zero chance that the White Sox trade Luis Robert Jr. It's breaking news, breaking news. I think it's Chris Getz's job description. He has to listen to everything that comes his way because, as he said, there might be some team that wows him, that 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 works in a way that the White Sox really do position themselves much better than they are right now. But at the end of the day, Luis Robert Jr. is one of the best players in baseball, and he's under control for four years at a relatively affordable price tag So for what you're getting. So this is a guy who could win an MVP award. And so, listen, the White Sox are in a position where they're going the opposite way. They're not going toward on that upswing right now. They are trying to re-whatever right now. <laughs> I know there's a big, big to-do over what exact yeah. word we should use there. Um, but it, it would make sense that people would be asking about Dylan Cease. It makes sense that people would be asking about Luis Robert Jr. But the odds of Luis Robert Jr. going somewhere are not good. Uh, a little breaking news right when we started the show from Cody Staven. Hagen from the Athletic in Detroit. Tigers have signed AJ Hinch to a contract extension. The deals are not, the terms are not disclosed as yet. But you know, in the division, he's going to be there for a little bit longer. Back to Chris Getz. Does it seem did he talk about what type of players he'll be looking for in this free agency in the trade market for this new White Sox team in 2024? Yeah, and he's talked about it a little bit before. I think we got more kind of on that front from Pedro Grafol today. But really, this is it, it's nothing new so much as it is really just being hammered home that they want to play a very different style of baseball today. Pedro kept using the word fast. They want to play fast. Chris Getz says, you know, they, they need to be fundamentally sound. They need to do the, the right thing because, listen, the last two years, this White Sox team didn't do that. They, they made so many mistakes in the field, so many mistakes on the base paths. They want a team that they can count on to do the little things, play, play a certain style of baseball. And, uh, you know, if, if that means guys like Paul DeYoung, guys like Nicky Lopez, who, who Chris was very, ha is very happy to have acquired, then that's what it's going to mean. Might not mean a hundred wins right away in 2024, but they're looking to establish an organizational identity. They're looking to play the way, remember that Pedro Grifol promised that this team would play, that they very much did not play that way last year. So um, I think you're going to look for guys that, fit that description and and mm. and can do the little things and can play in a certain way uh that is probably who you need to kind of start circling on, on your board and, and i'll mention another thing too if you want to talk about that from the standpoint of a potential cease trade remember back at the gm meetings chris Getz said any potential cease trade is going to need to address the starting pitching need which is already pretty dire even with mm -hmm. cease on the roster if you trade cease that is not a good shape for your pitching rotation. So I think any trade that you're seeing, if you're going to go through and look at the Orioles top prospects at the Dodgers top prospects at the Braves top prospects, a lot of people want to turn, you know, pick out the foundational, uh, you know, guy who's going to be hitting third for the next 20 years or whatever. Look at the pitchers because that's what they need. And they need a lot of, and now Joe Ross and Wade Miley are already off the market. So <laughs> Uh, we're going to get into a lot of the Pedro Griffal sound. We have that coming up. 
Uh, any other bold names that came out of Chris Getz's mouth today? Not really. Uh, I, I mean, I think um, they are going to go get a catcher. It sounds like, you know, all signs are really pointing to them going to get a catcher. It, it doesn't really sound like, or at least they don't want to tell us whether it's going to be that guy at the top of the depth chart or if Corey Lee is going to be given the reins of the pitching staff and there's going to be just kind of a guy to support him. Mm-hmm. I would think they'd probably be better off with a veteran, uh, even if he's not the the most um, offense first type of guy. I mean, I think you're definitely going to see a guy who is defense per- first and pit- working with pitchers first. I don't think this is going to be, you know, a guy that they bring in to hit 20 homers or anything like that from the catcher position. So, that's probably what you can expect there. They definitely need a right fielder. So if you're looking for roster spots, they need a right fielder. They don't have one right now. Um, again, maybe it is more of a little things kind of guy, but they, they definitely need to fill that position. Nicky Lopez, uh, when asked about it today, whether he's going to be the everyday guy or, or a utility uh, role, Chris said it's kind of too soon to tell. So I think it kind of depends on whether they hit on some of their other targets uh, before they get to spring training. And before we get to uh, the Pedro Kofolsam, you spoke also to the chairman of the board, Jerry Reinstorf. Did anything come out of that that was uh, noteworthy? Uh, not really. A, a lot of compliments for uh, the man who was just named to the Hall of Fame last night, Jim Leland, who, of course, uh, worked for the White Sox as part of Tony La Russa's coaching staff back in the 1980s. Um, good friends with great friends with Tony La Russa is Jim Leland. And so by extension, good friends with Jerry Reinsdorf as well. Um, the the questioning was limited to that topic. And of course, nothing but positive things for from Jerry on that front. Excellent. We have a good crowd watching out there now. Make sure you hit that like button. We're coming at you live from the Opryland Hotel here in Nashville and the winter meetings all three days here. We're really excited to be here. As promised, we'll have that Pedro Grafal sound and kind of break down some of the things he said as the White Sox kind of start whatever the new era is uh, going to entail. First, though, I want to tell you about Circa Sportsbook. Circa, of course, we love because they feature that tight money line splits and low hold model games always strive to be a negative 110 split on the circus sports menu unlike other sports books which may use you know minus 115 minus 120 they're after more of your money but circus sports keeps as little as money as possible on large market bets like futures golf tournaments especially compared to those other books they have high app limits and transparency because circus sports does not limit players based on their winnings every player has the same limits under unlike other boots who do limit winning players. That's just not fair. Circus Sports encouraged bettors to download and explore all the other sports betting apps available and compare the lines because they know at the end of the day they're going to be offering the best stuff. And here's, here's the thing, Herb. Mm-hmm. They also offer the best customer service. Guaranteed. You, you have a problem with the other sports book and you call people up, you're, you're talk, you might be talking to a chatbot or robot. Robots. Yeah. Robot umps. Yeah. <laughs> but there are real people behind <laughs> the circus sports brand <laughs> who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books. Uh, I don't again, care about chatbots. your thing. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me. Give us your minus 135. Uh, all aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main circus sports book at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. You or someone you know may have a problem with gambling. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or text GAMB to 833-234. And also visit areyoureallywinning.com. Midtown Athletic Club has four Chicagoland locations, Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the Southwest suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Midtown Palatine has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete in early 2024. Listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the end of the year. And there's something for everybody at Midtown Athletic Club, whether you're a single person, a family person, looking for holistic life changes. Anything you want, Midtown has for you. And we're talking as Kevin and I went, what, last Wednesday, and it's not a athletic club like you're used to or a gym as you're used to. It's more like a country club. It, that's how it feels. You feel like you're special when you're there. I, I just love that place. And uh, one of the people who have used Midtown says it is the nicest fitness club that they've ever been to, and I can put a rubber stamp on that too. Super Luxe locker rooms with wet and dry saunas. And you said they have Dyson hair, 
of the Dyson hair dryers. Hair dryers. Your big shoes. Those are no joke. Five hundred bucks. Yeah, like I said, no joke. I mean, you guys got show lettuce. You guys got good hair. I don't know what those. Are. My <laughs> hair pretty much dries quickly, but yes, those are very good if you have really good hair. You can tell. You can tell that it's it's not good today. Flopping around. I mean, I want to do with the Airbnb. I, they, they promised a hair dryer there. I so brought I mine. See what I brought okay. mine. Oh wow, they won't be Dyson. I have to borrow yours or Casey's. We'll, we'll see. Flip you have going. a collection of booty fitness studios with more than 100 classes per week to include in your membership. And as I said, it's not gym quality. This is boutique fitness quality. They have so many of the fitness classes that you want in their classrooms. The arena, Samadhi, Everybody Fights, Ride, the field, and the place that I tried out for the Les Mills uh, body, body Pump, the theater. Oh, my goodness. I was so exhausted after it, but I had a great time. I'm still kind of feeling it after a week. The best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis, pickleball, and paddleball tennis. USTA professional quality all the way. What you got to do right now is head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to schedule your tour of Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. All you need to know about Midtown is when you go into the tennis facility, They've got a picture of Roger Federer playing there. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Mark Carmen. <laughs> soon soon to come. You want Mark people, we want people to go there, not to <laughs> go away from there. We do need a picture of Carmen there. I, I will I will say their C, the CEO is a huge fan of Carm. So that's probably not out of the question. Mm-hmm. So wow. I can always hope. And he's from New Zealand. I can listen to him talk all day long. Yeah, he used to own a rugby team. Yeah. Run a rugby team. He built a rugby stadium. Guy's got a great life, and he was just sitting there Good talking dude. with us all day long. It was great. Good dude. All right, back to White Sox baseball. Uh, Pedro Grafal addressed the media really not that far from where we're, we're uh, podcasting from tonight, just on the other side of this wall. It was a pretty big crowd, a lot of people here. It was a little hard to make him out just because there was so much activity, uh, but Stephen went into the tape and, and chopped a lot of things up here and really – Took about 15 minutes of audio and boil it down to about four minutes. And from there, we've got five clips. So we're going to play these some short clips and kind of go from there and just comment them as we go along. But first up, Stephen, Pedro Grafal addressed just kind of having players that other teams want, whether it's Dylan Cease or Luis Robert Jr., how they approach that in this offseason. I think we're in a great spot. You know, we got some players that are really talented. Um, and then we're not going to just move them to move them. It has to, it has to make sense. Um, you know, these guys have proven it at the major league level. And if it makes sense for us, um, and Chris and the staff will pull the trigger. If it doesn't, then we'll wait for the right time. You know, but being able to have those players uh, as a part of our organization uh, and have those options uh, is something that we're always exploring to, to make us better. Not just make us better now for 24, but make us better for 24 and beyond all right so herb initial reaction on that basically kind of talked i mean i don't think it's too much of news of what he said but he feels like they're in a good spot yeah and i think he you know he spoke before chris but they seem like they're in lockstep that's good for the general manager and your manager to be on the same page it seems like they're in um cahoots with hey we're here to deal if it's possible, but we have no obligation to deal. And that's a good thing for the White Sox to go into this uh, winter meetings with an open mind, but also understanding they have some great value and some great assets that a lot of teams would like on their team. And if those teams don't come to play ball, they could just sit there and on their hands and just chill out because we don't need to trade them. So I'm glad that Pedro said that. I'm glad that Chris said that because the reports that had been coming out the weeks before, and of course it wasn't from them, so you can only take it with a grain of salt, that had them, you know, imminently trading Dylan Cease or, you know, listening to deals for uh, Luis Robert, et cetera, et cetera. I'm glad that they're slowing those talks down and maybe, like I said before, kind of entice other teams to say, okay, they don't seem like they're into trading these guys. <laughs> we need, we maybe need to up the any on the players that we're offering. And so it's a good thing. It's a good thing to yeah. be in the position that they are. Cause I said, they're in the driver's seat right now. I'll ask you that though, Vinny, the, how, how much can the White Sox really play the, uh, you know, hard to get role here in the off season? Well, I think, 
I think they can play it a little bit because they really only have one or two guys that another that other teams are going to want, right? I mean, like, I I don't think the idea is that like, oh well, we don't need to trade any of these guys. We'll be just fine. Like, obviously, they're not just fine. Right. They lost 101 <laughs> games, and you know, even even guys who other teams might look at as like you know an intriguing bounce back guy, you know, mm-hmm. Yoan Moncada or, or Aloy Jimenez, like those are guys that. You know, if you if you wipe the, the the financials off of it, oh, maybe someone would trade for them and give them a shot and see what they can do. But for twenty four million dollars for Yoan Moncada, for uh, you know a guy in Aloy Jimenez who's yet to have a full healthy season, like it makes it a little bit more difficult, and it makes it look like those guys would be unlikely to be moved this winter. Um, so you know, if if you are talking about hard to get, like what. They, they basically he basically came out and said today there's hardly any chance they're going to trade robert so it's it's just cease so if you want cease That's give him true. an offer other you know otherwise but like we've been talking about herb they don't need to trade dylan cease no. you know it, it probably is the thing that ends up putting them in the best position given them given the rest of the roster but the guy's under control for two more years and uh, there's a trade deadline in in july or august whatever it is this year uh that you know comes after the offseason too if, if 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 it gets that far I'm not, I'm not sure it even will and it's also establishing to the rest of these general managers that chris Getz is not a pushover yeah it's my first go around this is my first time here at the at the winter meetings but you're not going to just offer me crap and i'm just going to give you to because you know we're open for business but you got to come correct and that's good to have the first year general manager establish himself and say this is what we're doing and you're not going to be running over me and you know i'm sure a lot of these general managers are are looking at him and they're licking their chops but i'm glad that he is staying steadfast to what he believes in and what he knows that he has as a talent in dylan cease because he is the lord of the vestibule Vestibule Lord. How about how about how that? about if you if you want to do the uh, alliteration, Viceroy of the Vestibule. Viceroy. I was coming up with Vanguard, but that didn't make me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to the next one. Uh, we're just really talking about uh, you know si- signing the, the guys, playing faster, playing a different brand of baseball. It's a little bit of a longer clip, and I'll say I think there's a little bit of fluff in here. So let's uh, let's go with this, Stephen. Tell me what you guys think when we come back out of this. You know what? One of the things I learned last year is that um, we played a game that doesn't win in the big leagues. Um, we need to play faster. We need to be more athletic. We got to catch a baseball, um, and we gotta we gotta do things a little better fundamentally. And when we talk about you know getting more rounded, that's what it's about. You know, the uh, being able to bring in Nicky Lopez and Paul DeYoung, you know, what those guys can do defensively. Um, and obviously, we're not done. Um, you know, it's just, it's the, the type of game that wins games at the major league level. You know, you, you got to play fundamental baseball to be able to, you know, to compete at that level. And that's what we're trying to do. Consistency. You know, I like I like what he brings to the table every single day. Um, you know, you get a shortstop out there that um, you know he's going to be fundamentally sound. You know, and uh, and he's going to lead. You know, and the same thing with Nicky. You know, being able to acquire Nicky. Um, you know, Nicky can play second base, play above average second base, and move over to shortstop, and you know, give Paul you know give Paul a day, and, uh, and obviously don't forget about you know Colson Montgomery who's knocking on the door and. You know, so there's some, there's some there's some good things happening. Um, you know, and, and the off season's early. You know, it's early still. So, um, you know, Chris and his staff are exploring everything to make us better. Like I said, not not just in 24, but you know, beyond. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, look, there's a lot of stuff that will play well. Sounds good. We're gonna play fundamental baseball. This that. But then you're also talking about guys who are not here for the long haul. Colson Montgomery obviously is, but Nicky Lopez and DeYoung are not. Yeah. And my question to Pedro for that, like, he was here this past year. Why wasn't that established when he hit ground this year? Like, I get it. You want to play a style of baseball that's different from the losing style, apparently, 61 and 101 in 2023. But you had a job last year where you either – went along to get along or the the people who were fired Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn didn't allow you to play the style that you want to play so I'm not going to blame you know new general manager Chris Getz on this but when I hear a quote like that that we're going to play 
a style and we didn't play a style of baseball that was conducive to winning, it always uh, alarms me and says, you have control. You have the reins as the, as the manager of the White Sox. That should have been established February of 2023 in Glendale, Arizona. Well, I'm glad he's, he's fixing it. And it's good to notice that you made mistakes in the past, but I would have loved to have that before he, you know, realized that they didn't play a style that he liked. Yeah. I mean, I think he's explained several times now that he erred in coming in and, and, and kind of letting the guys do the things that they had done in the past and, and not maybe being a little bit more forceful, which kind of forced a lot of those changes at the trade deadline, which now are forcing changes in the, in the off season. Um, I think that as you brought up earlier, Herb, what he said there is very much echoing what Chris Getz is saying and, and, and what Chris Getz is trying to establish is the new identity of this team. So, you know, I, I, obviously Pedro isn't blameless. I, I think the thing that jumps out to me in kind of line with you were, with what you were saying is it's not going to just be as easy as, as a guy come standing up there and saying, oh, where are we going to play this down now? Oh, you know what we should have done? We should have been the Diamondbacks. Why weren't we the Diamondbacks? Let's do that instead. Yeah. And everybody goes, oh, okay, of course you need to have a roster of guys that can do that. And I think if the White Sox had that this past season, they would have been playing like it. Mm -hmm. They didn't. This was a team that Rick Hahn built to hit a lot of home runs and not do much else. It didn't. It also didn't hit a lot of home runs and then couldn't do all the other things to go along with it. So, um, you know, and that's why I say the remaking of this team it might not be done come spring training. It might not be done come opening day, and it might not be done come this time next year. This is probably something that's going to take a little bit longer because you can't just say, all right, Aloy Jimenez, we know that you've had trouble even even running at full speed since you've been on this, since you've been in the major leagues, but now we're going to play like the Diamondbacks, and you're going to have to get a triple every time up. Like, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. And so they need to go out and get guys like DeYoung, like Lopez. But here's the thing. Those guys might play the game the way they want them to do it, but are they going to hit enough to to to, no, to score yeah. runs and win and win games? And part of me just worries that it's just such an overcorrection where okay, we got to we got to be just fundamental guys and have these guys who are archetypes of what we think are hustlers and guys who play baseball the right way. And if you're going to go all that way, and it's great, yeah, these guys are consistent and they show up every day. But if they can't hit the ball and they're not producing runs, what's going to happen? I see a lot of parallels, like when the White Sox went from 2004 to 2005, you lose Magni Ordonez, you lose Carlos Lee, and then it was, what, what was it about? Small ball, right? Yeah. We're going to go small ball. Even though they hit 200 home runs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right. Well, it freaking worked, right? right like, yeah. Tadahito Gucci had a boy, career year, but Sednik boy, had a career year. Boy, that small ball was great when you right. when you had Canerco and die in and the middle of the lineup. Die, right? Yeah. So that's the thing, like, they're, they're, try, they're trying to sell this, but you you don't have those, those sluggards to, to put the ball out of the park. You don't have Jose Contreras coming in or, you know, a great trade for Freddie Garcia, you know, John Gar- Garland having a, a career year. Um, to me, I, I hear that quote. and I think, OK, well, that's good if you stay the path and you identify those players who are out there. But to me, it's just saying this is not about 2024. This is about 2025 and 2026. So if there's any mistake whatsoever that pretty much clears it up. I'm sure they're probably going to brush back and say it is about 2024, even though we might not be the team complete at 2024. They want to establish that identity now in 2024. But when you talk about people like Aloy, and I hear the quotes that Pedro and uh, Chris say, I don't know if he fits into that once you play, which we'll get to the clips a little earlier, once you play faster, more to play, more aggressive type of stuff. we got to Special guest coming up soon. Special guest. Oh my goodness! Surprise, surprise! Look at this. We're gonna put. We're <laughs> gonna make put, way. We're gonna put the uh, White Sox put, fans. Put the quote review on. Call your sons. Call your. Quickly. Call your daughters. We got a special guest joining us right now. Amazing. Right here the in suspense Nashville. Builds. Who do you guys think it, it is? It. Put it. Put in the comments who you think it is because we have this guy and he's been here in Nashville talking to all the great folks. And it is Marlins third baseman, Jake Berger. It hurts me to say Marlins third baseman, Jake Berger, but congratulations, Jake. So thank you for joining us here on CHGO White Sox. And White Sox fans absolutely miss you the, since the day that you got traded, but we're very happy for your success. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing I want to tell, um, you know, White Sox fans in general is kind of what I echoed in the, the video I posted in October is just, 
how how many relationships and how many uh, people I met over my time with Chicago. And um, you know, I'm I'm always going to be grateful for for every single relationship uh, you know I created there. So um, you know, thank you for for everything, and um, you know, I, I appreciate your guys' uh, support throughout the uh, the Marlins uh, push for the postseason. It's it's funny you, you you bring that up, and and we were hearing from Jim Leland earlier today, who was just named to the Hall of Fame, and he he said it was amazing how many texts I had, not just from guys that I managed at the big league level, but guys that I managed in the minor leagues. And when you talk about the relationships and the time that you spent with this organization, so much of it was not on the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, and and so when you were traded away, and and when you did look back. How much of that looking back had to do with those years in the minor leagues and, and the relationships that you made with those folks? Yeah, I mean, anytime you're with the organization from from the start, you know, um, you're, you're going to create all those relationships. And there's so many coaches and players that, that you play with and um, guys I was rehabbing with, too, you know, um, that, that were going through some of our darkest moments in our career um, and just kind of looking back on that. And it was really hard not to, to think about that when you're going um, to play for a postseason uh, berth. And I think that's why I posted the video when I did was uh, after we lost to the Phillies, it was like, I had a couple, couple weeks to kind of decompress and think about just every special moment, um, every terrible moment, every, every moment really. And uh, just reflect on, on everything. And um, it was, it was really special. And, you know, the fans in, in Chicago have always been super special to me and just how positive they were through, um, the the worst moment of, of my career and um you know it's it was just i i can't help and just have a special place in my heart for for everybody what were uh august and september like i think a lot of people you know at least back in chicago you know saw that quote you had after one of the big wins that the marlins had you know the most fun you've ever had playing baseball it looked like it it mm-hmm. looked like you were having fun what were those two months like as, as you guys made a push for the playoffs that ended up being successful yeah yeah i think you know you look at uh the 21 season when we went to the uh, alds it was it was different because i wasn't on the i made my debut i played for a month that season uh so i wasn't really a, a big factor um in, in terms of us getting to the postseason then i was on the taxi squad i wasn't on the playoff squad so um it, it, it was interesting to go to miami where i i know i'm gonna have a chance to get to the postseason and, and be on that playoff team and be a middle of the bat order for them. And, um, you know, I think it was, it was just having that emotion of, um, you know, we're, we're two months away and we could be, uh, you know, pushing for who, who knows, you know, the sky's the limit at that point. So um, that it, it really was uh, just cr- crazy going over there and um, realizing that you're, you're losing some friends, not really losing friends, but you're kind of getting cut off of them because you're not really talking to them every single day in the clubhouse and going to make new friends and, um, you know, having, having as much fun as you can with them and, um, help, help what they started in spring training to, uh, you know, push it across the line. We're getting a lot of live comments from White Sox fans and they're excited to see you. Bruhan, Bruhan Luke says, oh, man, hi, Jake, I miss you. <laughs> Fred says, we love you, Jake. Congrats to you and your family. Brian S. says, mustache game on point. <laughs> Thank my wife. <laughs> Sir Thomas says, please tell him Tottenham sucks. Wow. And Sir Thomas wants to know, have you met Messi yet? No, that's that's definitely on the uh, docket for next season. Hey, David Beckham, <laughs> Messi. You know everybody down there, um, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. And Jake, uh, we're talking today, of course. Uh, the rumors mill about the White Sox is about Dylan Cease and maybe he getting traded. You're a person that's gone through that. We sometimes forget the human element of getting traded. I remember you guys were in Texas, and mm-hmm. then you get traded to the Marlins, and you pretty much go down there, and then have to go right back to Texas. Mm-hmm. You, your wife, your young child. How is that on a family? I know that it's great that you were at the Marlins, but also this is the club that you grew up with. Mm-hmm. How was that uh, to deal with getting traded for the first time? Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. Just kind of all that goes into it. Um, you know, just from getting new numbers from the clubhouse manager and getting a, a new travel secretary number and just being able to coordinate and create a, a relationship with them and. Um, you know, obviously Ashlyn and Brooks were with me in, in Texas and, um, I called them. I'm like, all right, we got to pack up the room. And, um, you know, fortunately we were coming back to Texas in 36 hours. So we were able to leave some of our suitcases in the hotel, but, um, yeah, it was, I really couldn't have done it without Ashlyn, um, you know, being there as, as a rock and, um, you know, just being able to be there and support me and, you know, take care of 
all the stuff that's outside of the game and just you know be be so strong for me and just let me go out there and and play my game and so um yeah it's it's definitely a whirlwind i, I think in season trades are a lot a lot tougher to uh you know come to terms with because it's uh you know the next night you're playing in a game and uh w- with a different color different number um different different coach different manager you know so um it, it was definitely uh it's definitely a lot harder in season than it is out of season but um anytime you're you're going to a new team it's it's definitely uh, tough how did it go down is it like did you know how it was going to happen like was it something like you pictured like if i ever got traded this is what's going to happen or no no i, I honestly like it it just kind of happened so fast you know you think it's methodical and it's like hey you're we're thinking about trading you here. Um, but when you get to the deadline, you know, I think you can have those talks in the off season, like, you know, some, some guys in the front office will, you know, reach out and say, Hey, like, this is what we're thinking. Um, whereas I think the middle of the season, it just happens in a split second. And it's like, all right, you're on a plane to Miami. Like, thanks for everything. Like try and thank as many people as you can. And you don't want to forget anybody because you are so grateful for, for everybody that's uh, in place to support you. And um, then you're, Playing any game the next night. It, two weeks within what two three weeks after you, you got traded, the guys who made that trade were, were gone. Uh, so much changed just in that one month, and certainly in the time mm-hmm. since for this White Sox organization. As you look back, how did you kind of watch it get to this point? At least in 2023, obviously, as we were talking about, it's a it's a several years of memories for you with this organization, not, not something that you look back on, not fondly, but in 2023, how did it go from the expectations you guys had in the spring to what happened in August? Yeah, I think there, there were a lot of injuries and um, you know, it's, it's really tough when, when you do have injuries to keep that cohesive core. I mean, you look at the Braves and I mean, they relatively stayed healthy in their lineup the entire, entire year. Um, And so, you know, anytime that happens and um, it's just, it, it, it's tough. Baseball's a tough game. And, um, you know, a couple of games don't go your way and, um, you can get discouraged very easily. Um, and you know, it snowballs from there. And same thing with, you know, the Rays when they were winning every single game, it's like, it's a game of just ebbs and flows, you know, where, um, if you're riding a, a hot streak, it's, it's really easy to show up and it's like, Hey, we're winning. And, um, you know, I, when you're when you're scuffling a little bit, it's it's tough to uh, you know try and try and get through that because the game uh, the game's a beautiful game and uh, you know it'll uh, it's definitely a game of karma and it'll come back to bite. We've heard from guys before who have been traded or, or just changed teams for the first time that oh wow there's another way of doing things mm-hmm. or organizations do things differently. You're someone who spent years probably thinking well this is the way it's done mm-hmm. and then you get to see a new way. What has impressed you about the way the Marlins do things, be it in the clubhouse or the relationship with the front office or really just anything. Yeah. I, I think it's just every single organization has their, their own way of doing things. And I, I don't think it's true. Just going from Chicago. I think it's going from Chicago to LA or LA to Miami. You know, I think every single team's going to have a, a different culture, a different vibe. Um, you know, surface level, I think, uh, the biggest difference was uh, getting Cuban coffees in the clubhouse before the game. But, um, you know, well, you think, you'd think with Yoan and Luis in there, you guys could get it. I know. It that's, uh, I want to text one of them and be like, guys, you, you guys have been hiding this from me? <laughs> I could use a few of those right now. So what, what brought you to the winter meetings today? Um, I was going to go on uh, MLB Network and um, uh, with a couple of my buddies from my agency, Brandon Lau and uh, Vinny Pescantino. So, um have a good relationship and uh you know just shoot the crap up on uh on, on the big stage and uh you know it, it, it's also you know such a close drive for us that we wanted to see all the hoobla of uh what the winter meetings are and all the conversations you have and all the people you see so um you know i'm glad we we had this opportunity to come here awesome we appreciate you stopping by the set it's yeah a real stand-up thing to do and as evidenced by the chat Everyone misses you here. Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll always be grateful for every single White Sox fan out there. So uh, thank you for being such big supporters. Cool. Thanks, Jake. Yep. Jake, great seeing you, man. Good seeing you. See you, sir. Thank you. Yep. Awesome. Jake Berger. All the best, awesome. Jake. Absolutely awesome. That was fun. Like, you root for people like that for the success, not only because of the good story, because of the multiple Achilles tears and him coming back from that. 
And remember in the 2020 season, he was uh, kind of down because, you know, there's no playing and in the minor leagues. There was no minor league. So the White Sox let him go to independent ball. And then, you know, through those years of just toiling through the major leagues, remember at the beginning of this year, he didn't make the major league club. And so from not making the major league club to hitting 34 home runs in the season, yeah. You got to cheer for a guy like that. Family is awesome. Like his wife, Ashlyn, his son, Brooks, it's an awesome family. And I'll be forever cheering for the person that is Jake Berger, even though I thought the trade was all right, even though because I he gets to go and be Jake Berger instead of toiling <laughs> on the White Sox and not playing as much. I like the Cuban coffee line. And you're down in Miami, right? That's that's where know. you get them. Hey, the numbers in Miami also awesome. Like 300. I was on base a lot, slugged a lot. Much better than the numbers here in Chicago. Smaller sample size, though. Yeah. Hey, it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. Is it really? Okay. And that's something we can all get behind. Yeah. That so I'm just I was startled a little bit because usually Sean will be like, "Okay, now it's time for an ad no. break." But you just mm. well, I have a I have a different way of doing things than Sean. I'm just I getting used to it. Hey, all, but <laughs> I don't I don't telegraph the ad reads. <laughs> I don't want people just hitting that. That thing. I see. Yeah. Anyway, for the health of the planet and the well-being of all of us who share it, we want those electric vehicles. Yeah. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs. As we all move to a confidence toward I'll move with confidence towards electric tomorrow, whether you have one three van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks. ComEd can help you guide you to make the changes you need. Ah, sorry, make the changes to make sense. So what should business owners do? I mean, they should go to comment.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today and switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? You're listening. That's good. Yes, go now and see how electric connects us. To a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come, Kevin. Let's go. And you know, usually on our set we have Foco. Mm-hmm. Set decorations are donated by the great folks at Foco. South, the classic Southpaw or orange flag bobblehead. Yeah, yeah. Tim Anderson, of course. And, Tim Anderson waiting for the L. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, of course, Andrew Ben and Cindy Whoopixie, yeah. Su- Suey, even yeah. though we don't have it, you know, <laughs> it's there. You go buy it. Yeah. yeah. So get fitted in the best sports gear around: hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads everything in between and it's not baseball season anymore even though we're here at the winter meetings it's always baseball season herb you can wear it get your aloha shirts straw hats polos bags everything you need for a game check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items use promo code chgo for 10 percent off get that christmas shopping done oh easily if you're a sports fan in you get them some bobbleheads a straw hat aloha shirt those are for party animals. So should we go back to talking about Pedro's comments, or should we just look ahead to the 2024 Marlins season? <laughs> I'm hyped, <laughs> man. What a great, what a great man. Awesome. I, I mean, we can talk about Pedro, but yeah, kind of anticlimactic. Is there anything else you want to <laughs> kind of hit hit on from from Pedro's the thing that really stood out? No, I think I think w- what you had played there, and and maybe kind of the thing that he was hitting on was kind of my main takeaway from today. You know, I think he used the phrase at one point on the hunt. The Sox are on the hunt for guys that fit that description that can play that style of baseball. Right. Um, you know, it, it he telegraphed and, and Chris did as well that they're going to be active, that they want to be active. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be active at the top of the market or or all boom, boom, boom right, right away. You know what I mean? We This could be January. This could be spring training. And we're still talking about guys that they could be on the hunt for. But um Listen, they, they they want a certain type of player. They want a certain type of style. Uh, it's it's the, the the basket they seem to be putting their eggs in at the moment, but um, obviously still a ton of flexibility just because they don't have a lot, you know, hanging hanging around for, for years to come. I mean, with the exception of Luis Robert Jr., right? you know, really all these guys could be, could be short-term uh, staying here. I'm not saying that they're going to, necessarily completely clean house but there might not be that much house to clean as we sit here today we'll put it that right. way i think there's one uh, one thing we can get to and he was ac- actually asked to uh self-assess his performance in 2023 and what he learned about his own ability so Stephen, if you're able to cue that up 
let's go with that and uh, riff off of that. What did you learn about your own leadership ability uh, going through that topsy turvy season that you had last year? And uh, what were some of the, the great challenges for you? Um, like I said, I learned a lot. Some of it I, I can't, I can't and won't talk about it here. Um, and there's there are other things that um, that I learned that I can share. And, you know, a, a lot of this job um, doesn't pertain to baseball. You know, it just pertains to management. You know, managing clubhouse and managing the chemistry. Um, chemistry is real. It's real, and uh, you know, some people don't believe in it. Um, I believe it. You know, you got to get 26 guys that are fighting for each other and love each other and play for each other every single day to be able to get this thing done. And um, we're on our way to doing that. Um, there, there's, there's a lot that I learned, believe me. Um, and, and I'll start implementing some of those things in the spring, um, and you'll see, you'll see a difference. Do you see yourself kind of operating differently and you'll have a different group and younger guys too? Um, we're going to be playing different because we're going to be playing the faster game. So obviously, I'll be managing a different, you know, you know, different, different style of game and an aggressive game. Um, but I've I've said it to, you, to I've said this to you guys plenty of times. I, I'm ever evolving. I, I don't I don't I'm not going to just sit around and not really look at myself in the mirror and say, okay, I need to get better at this and that. And you know, I, I'm not doing that. So I, I've I've reflected a ton. Um, there's there's things that I I feel I could have done better, and, and I will be better. Um, there's things that I feel our staff could have done better, and we will be better. Um, and definitely, there's things that our team could have done better, and we will be better. Um, you know, so I'm excited for spring training. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the team that you know that that joins us in, in Camelback, and you know. You'll see, you'll see the difference. So, Vinny, you, you saw Pedro on a day-to-day basis in 2023. After listening to that in the press conference and, and again now, what, what do you take away from it? I mean, I think time being removed from, from the grind of last season is definitely helping him to reflect with a little less emotion, maybe. I'm certainly not saying that he's over you know anything that happened last year or last season rather but i remember talking to him at the end of last season and and he was he felt awful about the way things played out you know what i mean i mean think how you felt the guy in the dugout who had to sit there and manage a 101 lost team for and his first it. ever yeah. job and wear it i mean he he did not he was not happy with that he was very upset and very disappointed by the way things played out and i think he knew the he maybe knew the lessons that he was learning in the moment Mm-hmm. And now that he's had some time where he doesn't have to manage a baseball team every single day, right? He can kind of use that to learn and use that and and say, oh, well, I remember learning this lesson. Now, how can I apply it to this? I remember learning that lesson. How can I apply it to this? I mean, he even said it in there. There's so much about this job that doesn't have to do with baseball. Um, you know, you guys might look at a pitching change or a, a lineup or a, or a, a decision of any kind in in the game and say, you know, the thing that all baseball fans say, which is, oh, I, I should have done that. I could have done that better. But then when you hear about the aspect of, well, you have to deal with this personality and this person and merging this and man- and managing the, all of this, that's not something that's quite as easy to say, well, I know the rules of the game. I can do that. And so right. I think even he learned that that wasn't easy. You know, a guy who had never done this before until last year. And so I, I think that the, the, different, the difference that I heard from him today versus what I heard from him at the end of the season was maybe the benefit of some of that time and being able not just to identify the things that you've learned, but put them into practice. Yeah, it's good that he's taking accountability for the things that he fell short on. But I know, uh, speak as a White Sox fan, White Sox fans are kind of short on patience for the person where he says, you'll see a difference in spring training about you know fundamentals and them playing a different brand of baseball. So it's like Missouri, show me what you're going to do. Like, is that a ref? Is that a reference to the, the cotton bowl bound uh, Missouri Tigers? Never, <laughs> never. I was more going for Missouri state bears as our guest Jake uh, Berger went to, of course, or Truman state, one of the best schools in Missouri, of course. Um, but yes, he, he needs to show white Sox fans that 
it's not just empty platitudes. It's not just empty words. You're actually going to lay the hammer down with Major League veterans. And some of these veterans have been here for a long time. Aloy Jimenez, Yoan Moncada, et cetera, et cetera, and show that, hey, this is my way. I'm here for the long haul, and I've been given enough power to you know, allow you guys to know that I'm the boss here, not just the guy that walked into a job and allowing you guys to be grown men. You guys failed that when I gave you that opportunity. Now you guys get to go under Pedro, how Pedro plays. And he says he's going to play faster, more aggressive. To me, that sounds like stealing bases, more hit and runs, maybe more bunting. And so I'm good with it as long as it produces runs, as long as you're not getting out on the bases. Aggressive game is where the baseball is at right now. But as we said before, they don't have players like Corbin Carroll to play the aggressive game that he wants to play. Nicky Lopez, pretty fast. Paul DeYoung, decently fast. But, but you got to get on base first. That's, that's right. weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> weird. They don't do that very well. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, and Eloy, like I said, Eloy Jimenez has decent speed, but I wouldn't want him stealing because that puts him in injury risk. Same thing with Luis Robert Jr. It was, we saw he's gotten most of his injuries by stealing bases and getting thrown out of plates and the vertigo uh, that he had in Minnesota. You know, we look at other Whatever sports like, like football, and when a new regime comes in, we say, let's see what happens when they, they have their guys in, right? We, it happened with Ryan Poles and Matt Aberflus, you know. Wherever that's going, it, it happened. That fan base allowed it to happen. It doesn't really happen in baseball. Even, you know, and you could maybe say, well, Chris Getz is someone from within the organization. Pedro Grafal was brought in. But, you know, should we be giving that to them, Herb? Well, I know you directed this question toward Herb, so yeah. I'll let him answer. But I, I think the point, the, the, thing, the thing that sprang right to mind is, does it not happen in baseball or does it not happen with the White Sox? I don't think it happens in baseball. Okay. Do you? I don't know. Uh, I think sometimes it does. I think the thing that, I think the thing that, you know, get his guy kind of thing that always comes to mind is an AD hiring a college football coach or a college basketball coach. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those two guys are linked together. And so rarely because at least with the White Sox, because there has been no change right. at the, at the, at the uh, top of the front office, they're not necessarily linked to the manager in the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, Okay, well, it's it was always well. Who is Kenny and Rick going to hire next? Who will Kenny and Rick hire next? And so maybe White Sox fans specifically have been primed to right. separate the front office from the manager in that situation. Other organizations may be different, but perhaps not across the board. I, I think so, like some of it has to do with the minor league system aspect of of baseball, mm-hmm. right? It's not like you're going to go out there and you only have twelve roster spots to fill, like in the NBA or in the NFL. It's pretty clearly defined. There's a pool of players, and it's not necessarily okay. We're developing players from you know single A all the way up. Mm-hmm. It's more of a longer process, and and like you mentioned with the White Sox, there's been you know so little turnover, you know decades upon decades, it just doesn't happen. But I don't know. Like, did you? I mean, I guess maybe David Ross got it a little bit with the Cubs. Like, let's wait to see him get his players in, and then. But I don't know that that, that, happened, right? that that's that's been the same regime since since. Yeah. Theo took over, you know, right. for the first cup right, rebuild. Right. So I mean that I mean technically they've had consistency for that length of time. So you know they've had multiple managerial changes, um, not as many that as have happened with the White Sox. Okay. But, but Herb, issue your ruling, and then we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. I think. I think these two seem like they're in lockstep now. As fans, um, I don't necessarily believe that especially White Sox fans. See, that's a different, like White Sox fans are jaded and already looking to go against whoever's hired by whoever the general manager is, whether it's Kenny or Rick or Chris Getz. I'm, you know, example A. So we're a kind of a weird test of subject, but I think baseball fans in general, when the general manager and the manager say that, they do get grace. They do get a chance to uh, prove that they are, on the same page and that they're looking for their players. I think if the, you know, Chris Getz and Pedro Gafal look like they are in lockstep. I know White Sox fans don't want to hear this. They're not going anywhere. Might as well give them behind them. This, this plan might as well work because otherwise you're just going to be fighting against what they're going to be doing. And they don't look like they're going to be going anywhere. I know Chris Getz ain't going to damn place. And if Chris Getz likes uh, Pedro Grafal and what he's doing, and they have a plan, which seems like it's years of building, he's not going to go anywhere. So yes, it's a bad, it's a bad feeling as White Sox fans, when you, you know, have been 
beat over the head time and time again with, oh, we're going to do this, that, and the other, and it doesn't happen. But I would say either go along to get along or be bitter, as Steve Stone <laughs> said. I don't want to be that bluntly, but that's what's going to be the team. This yeah. guy's going to be here for years probably, and Chris Getz is going to be here for years. So you have nothing but have to have faith in what they're doing, even though they have not shown you that they can get the job done as yet. It's the definition of faith right there. <laughs> you got to have faith. <laughs> faith, the faith, the faith. Uh. All right. So you guys usually do an icebreaker off the top, right? Yeah. Can we do one at, at, at the end? We're here. Sure. Okay. I'm going to put out this question. I don't think either of you were in. Were you in my car on the way over here? No. I was in Vinny's car. Okay. Will you visit a Waffle House before the end of this trip? No. No. It doesn't sound appealing to me. Bad no. food, people fighting. What's that bad? Loud. Food? It's greasy food. Also, I guess you don't like greasy. Why aren't like why don't you just go to like a good breakfast place? Why do you have to go to a fast food we're, restaurant? We're here multiple days. Yeah, exactly. We're uh south of the Waffle House line. That's yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to some fast food place. I'll go to a local a local establishment. So apparently just me and Cody at Waffle House. There tomorrow. you go. I mean Cody's. I mean, from you could go at go at Cody's three o'clock in the morning. We might do that too. <laughs> You know, I'm gonna be fast. I'm from a, I'm from Chicago. I got real food, and I people yelling at me and throwing out bad food, not my kind of cup of tea. If I wanted that, I would go to Ed Bevick's. Fred wants to know best food so far in Nashville. Fred is under the impression that we've been outside of the Opryland yeah. Hotel so yeah. far. I don't. I don't. If, if classic Nashville uh, diner Cinnabon. Yeah, Luke says Cinnabon. I, the, literally, the only thing I've ingested today is an Auntie Anne's pretzel. I had a cup of pretzels from Auntie Anne's. Look at you guys. I don't want a pretzel. Just give me, just put a whole bunch of pretzels in a cup and I will eat them. I mean, that's what I had to, but I didn't really want to go into the explanation. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this uh, episode of the CHGO White Sox podcast. We'll be back here tomorrow on Tuesday at 5 30 p.m. So mark your calendars. And if news breaks, we will be along shortly with an emergency pod for CHGO White Sox. Kevin Kaduck, Herb Lawrence, Benny Duber. See you next time. <laughs> We all city like the mayor.